0: So today's word is a word about loving one another, which we all need to do, married or not. And second of all, we all need to commit to supporting marriages. You know, marriage is under attack in our culture. If you study the end of every significant empire, the end of their days, the thing that was prominent was sexual immorality. It tore apart the fabric of marriage, and family, and those are the bricks on which civilization is built. So if you look at our nation, we have the 60s sexual revolution, the hippie free love, casual sex, the rise of playboy and pornography, gay and transgender movements in Hollywood all challenge traditional marriage. But research has shown that children do best when raised with two parents. And a growing percentage of children are not raised in the home of their biological parents. And children themselves can be exposed to dark sexual behavior at young ages. Some of you have seen a a new movie that's come out called The Sound of Freedom. And if you saw that, you witnessed that there's a real larger-than-life problem with not only sex slave trade in the world, but that of children, which is hard to imagine. So we all need to do what we can. We need to support marriages around you, of your relatives, neighbors, co-workers, and we need to be strong in marriage if we are married. And we need to advocate for victims of a sexualized society. Here's the hope. Whether you're married or hope to be married one day, God wants you to have the most successful marriage possible. He wants you to experience love, and respect and a committed until death do us part marriage. And he wants your marriage to be strong and fulfilling. Marriage is by design, and God, of course, is designer, and God doesn't do anything halfway. He does not. He does things very well. So if we can get along with his program, then we will do well. He does everything with purpose. So let's grasp his purpose today, and let's understand what our positions are and how we can cooperate with the the Word of God and the Spirit of God. What happens when people honor the Word in their life, and they honor the Spirit of God? They're blessed. I don't know about you, but I have been blessed in my life, in singleness and in marriage. Kevin and I are two very different people. Have you ever heard of the Myers-Briggs test, personality test? Okay, whether you have or not, they give you these initials. Okay, an ISTJ married an ENFP. (laughs) So basically, to translate that into English language, we are total opposites. (laughs) So Kevin's concrete, he makes decisions based on facts and information. I'm emotional and intuitive. He thinks in black and white, I think in color. We speak different love languages. Have you heard of the five love languages by Gary Chapman? That's a great book for everyone to read. So it talks about five types of love languages, like words of affirmation, uh, quality time, physical touch, acts of service, and receiving gifts. So apparently, some of us like to do some of those more than others, and some of us like to receive love in that same way. Well, when Kevin changes my oil, I have to realize that act of service says, I love you. When I make dinner or do laundry, that really speaks to him. I love encouragement, on the other hand, and I love to be encouraged by words of affirmation. That's something he does and he's capable of, but I've learned to also appreciate the cheerleaders called girlfriends in my life. So anyway, I have... Some three insider tips for marriage. The biggest insider tip I can give that crosses all love languages is to say thank you liberally. That's not only good for marriage, but for any relationship. I know it's so-and-so's job to take out the trash on Monday, but say thank you anyway. It says, I notice. Appreciation is the oil that creates a culture of kindness in any relationship. And the second insider tip is to infuse humor to lighten the situation. If I say truth with humor, it helps us both relax and calm down. So one time we were staying in a little cabin on a trip, and I was very frustrated looking for my keys three days in a row. Now, when I'm at home, I know where my keys are. But on this trip, I I lost my... (laughs) my ability to keep my case. (laughs) So anyway, I wasn't very patient with myself. And when Kevin got back from his hike or whatever, he saw that I was upset, and I told him what was going on. And he started expressing frustration, too. And then I realized how I felt. And I said, wait a minute. If I'm being hard on myself and you're being hard on myself, you're ganging up on me. (laughs) So we just both laughed and I found the keys so anyway the third insider tip is that when children come along the marriage should take priority if children are the center of family they're insecure it's too much responsibility for them so make your marriage your relationship the priority and the children will feel secure as a result in our marriage, we've had ups and downs as any other. We've had many, many blessings, and we've, we've walked through hard times. We've, we've had the surgeries, the cancer, the, the this and the that, like everyone. We've lost parents. Uh, we've had a miscarriage. We've hit three deers. <laughs> um, so anyway, but we've gone on some amazing trips. We've had wonderful friends, um, a wonderful church life. So we feel very blessed. So it's not all been easy, but it has been beautiful. In Psalm 23, 6, it says, Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And that's been true. That's been true so far, and I expect it in the future. And if you are single, well, there's many qualities to look for in a future spouse. The most important one is does the other person love and revere the Lord? I can't tell you the number of times Kevin and I have had a different viewpoint, and the Lord's brought us to one mind. Because the Spirit of God is at work in us bringing unity. One example that was pretty clear, I remember, I totaled our van. It wasn't the first time, it wasn't the last. But anyway, when the, the guy in front of me made a U turn, it was not my fault, okay? So anyway, we were looking for a newer used van. To replace it and our lives were so full and busy we barely even had time to look for a car so we were at a car lot in Middletown and we test drove a Toyota minivan and I, I drove it once I was in love with it my intuitive thing said go for it you know if it's mechanically okay and I asked Kevin what he thought for some reason he surprised me and he said literally he hated it <laughs> and I felt crushed. I thought this was our solution. You know, it was easy, convenient. It was, you know, we hadn't searched that much. So it was the end of the conversation for that night. But I knew what to do. I just prayed. I asked God that if this is what he would have for us, would he please change Kevin's mind, even though he seemed pretty resolute against it. And I, I knew that if he really didn't like it after all, that God would have me find a van that I would like to. So anyway, the next day, out of the blue, Kevin said, I think we should get that van. <laughs> and the beautiful thing was there wasn't an argument. There wasn't manipulation. And I can't say that all of our decisions have been so sweet, but I do understand that God wants unity in our marriage. And when we give him priority, he blesses. So, anyway, I have five goals for today for us to see. And the first one is to see God's design for marriage as timeless. Um, we need to see the context um, that Paul is writing in. And the Jews at the time of Jesus, well, women really didn't have rights, women did not have rights legally and socially. And so, whatever Paul was writing was an elevation for women at the time. It was unheard of for men to sacrifice for women. That was a novel idea. So we're going to read that um, before time ends today. So, why did God create marriage anyway? Well, the first reason He said it was for companionship. He told Adam, "It's not good for you to be alone." <laughs> he said, "You've named so much. You need to need a little break." <laughs> So anyway, so it's a cure for loneliness, and then there's the fruitfulness of children. And I also think of marriage as a container. I think of it like a house, and the family are inside the house, and the rest of the world is on the outside. In the home, there is exclusivity for those members that belong there. And there's boundaries for the things that you don't want in the house. There are dangers and so forth. And Ecclesiastes four nine also speaks that two are better than one. So that's God's design for marriage. Second of all, I want you to see the beautiful interdependence on in marriage. You know, God is a builder. You know what he builds most? People. God builds people. And that's how he wants us to treat others, especially those in our family. Not last, (laughs) but priority. So there's a relationship between earth and plants, uh, between humans and plants, rather. So on earth, humans, we breathe in. What do we breathe in? We breathe in oxygen. And what do we give off? We give off carbon monoxide. That's our waste product. What do trees and plants need? They need carbon monoxide, and they give off oxygen. Do you see the beautiful interdependence there? Each gives what they uniquely have to offer. We have different strengths and weaknesses, but that makes for a beautiful interdependence. There is a problem, though, if one person is dominant all of the time or more or less tries to control the other. Conversely, there's a problem of one partner, especially a passive person or a peacemaker, if they fail to speak their preference or opinion or make a decision ever to always let the other person have their way. That's not a marriage. That's a one-sided relationship. It's headed for trouble. So you can learn about healthy relating and unhealthy passive-aggressive relating in a book called Keep Your Love On by Danny Silk. But basically, I encourage you to have a healthy interdependence. Need each other, but don't dominate, and don't be invisible. Thirdly, there's glue in marriage. We all can come unglued, (laughs) even our relationships, The scripture talks about being one flesh. Two people become one flesh. Physical intimacy is a glue for marriage. And the context for the oneness in marriage goes way beyond the physical oneness. You need to understand there's a role of respect and understanding that is present in every strong marriage. You've heard of that saying, you say tomato and I say tomato. Well, that's the two people that married each other. But you have to respect that it's okay for someone to say tomato. It's okay for one of you to load the dishwasher from the front to back and the other to load it from the back to the front. Right? We laugh, but those are the things that you get annoyed about in marriage. So let's face it, a lot of it is about preferences. So the more important thing is to respect the other person. A lot of marriage is about working together. Dr. Emerson Egrich wrote a book called Love and Respect. And he talks about the need for love and respect in marriage. And he also talks about when it's not happening and he calls it the crazy cycle. Imagine you're both mad at each other, you're fighting, and you're hurt, and you've said you pull out the unkind things. You've used words like, You always say this or do that. Or you never remember this or that. During a fight, each person finds him or herself venting a long laundry list of faults for the other. It's the crazy cycle. But it's important to get off the crazy cycle. Just believe the best in your spouse. Believe that when they got up in the morning, they weren't trying to plan how to ruin your day. They weren't. But sometimes we rub shoulders with each other in a bad way. So just make a decision and settle that in your mind that they want the best for me, and we can get through this little annoyance. To end the crazy cycle, Egrich calls for one spouse to rise up and offer understanding and forgiveness. So it might look something like this, um, where they begin with some tenderness. I can see that you thought that when I said that, but what I really meant was this. Will you please forgive me for miscommunicating? Well, physical intimacy is a glue in marriage, love and respect create strong emotional oneness that lasts. Number four is to see the the call to sacrifice of marriage. Strong marriage requires sacrifice. A person might not realize how selfish they are until they're married. One person likes quiet. The other person likes constant radio, TV, or music. But sacrifice means laying your life down, your preferences down to consider one another. And you know what? Sacrifice is good for us. So instead of complaining about folding laundry, I heard one uh, person who prayed for whoever's clothes were being folded. You could do the same with dishes. Um, Instead of complaining about dirty dishes, I heard that Mother Teresa quoted this, you wash the plate because you love the person who will use it next. So number five is to see the blessing of marriage. When there's love, and respect, and faith is the key. When there's sacrifice, there's great blessing. Each person should feel built up and safe. They should feel connected, accepted, and valued. Marriage is not perfect because all marriages are made up of two sinners. (laughs) But as we live redeemed lives, our sin nature diminishes, allowing the Spirit of God to teach us. You know, some of you have had great examples as parents, and some have had just the opposite. You've had really bad experiences of marriage in your parents. But no matter what, it's the Word who instructs us, and the Spirit teaches us how to do this well. Not perfect, but well. So we're going to go to Ephesians 5, through 24 in the message, and this is directed at wives. Wives, understand and support your husbands in ways that show your support for Christ. The husband provides leadership to his wife in the way that Christ does to his church, not by domineering, but by cherishing. So let the, so just as the church submits to Christ as he exercises such leadership, wives should submit to their husbands. You know that God's heart Tortoises to build, to protect, and provide. He's never about dominating for a show of power, consuming us, or abusing us. In other translations, the um, understanding and support phrase is translated into submit. To submit means to yield or surrender willingly oneself to the will or authority of another. You know, our culture bristles at the word submit. Have there been abuses of male leadership in home and culture? Yes, there have been abuses. But because because God's plan was misused, it doesn't mean that we throw out his plan. His plan is still the plan. Instead of throwing out the plan and throwing men under the bus, let's raise healthy men. Let's raise men who are loving and compassionate, strong and brave, God-fearing, willing to sacrifice family-loving men. If men are wrong in something, let's call them out, just like we need to be called out ourselves. But let's not demean men, portray them as clueless or weak or idiots who don't care. Men serve a critical role in the family. They lock the door at night. They keep wrong influences out and invite the right influences in. They take out the trash. (laughs) They determine the direction that the family's going. And the family can dream and create a future because there's provision and protection. They consult with their counterparts seriously and consider all that their spouse has to offer. I love this story about multimillionaire Dave Ramsey. He said he never hired an employee or made a large business decision without consulting his wife, because he tried it, and it had failed in the past. But he valued her opinion, and he knew that there was something to her input, and it was worth seeking every time. My story is growing up with a dad without a dad. He died when I was six months old, and being single until I was 35. Well, God was so gracious to me in countless ways, I can still remember a feeling of vulnerability. And you don't dream when you're busy surviving. So when the Lord spoke to me about Kevin being my husband, he used unusual language. He said, Kevin was going to cover me. That was interesting. (laughs) But I knew it meant marriage. Well, Kevin has well covered me. Um, I don't feel that vulnerability that I had uh, before. And as for my role as wife, I've learned to submit to the Lord, to consult the Lord, and it's not hard. I want the Lord's blessing and input on what I do. So it's something I'm still working at. But it's the same as submitting as a wife. It's no different. Submission is not being a doormat. It's fully being the one that God made you to be with regard to and consideration of and with respect to the one you've pledged your life to. So we're going to move on to the husband's role in Ephesians five twenty-five through 31 in the message. And I love the wording here in some of the ways. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives, exactly as Christ did for the church, a loved marked by giving, not getting. Christ's love makes the church whole. His words evoke her beauty. Everything he does and says is designed to bring the best out of her, dressing her in dazzling white silk, radiant in holiness. And that is how husbands ought to love their wives. They're really doing themselves a favor since they're already one in marriage. No one abuses his own body, does he? No, he feeds and pampers it. That's how Christ teaches treats us, the church, since we are part of his body. And this is why a man leaves his father and mother and cherishes his wife, no longer two, they become one flesh. Love is a feeling, but it's way more than that. Love is commitment. Regardless of the weather, the bank balance, the demands of life, poopy diapers, a burned dinner, a broken refrigerator, love is an action word. Bob Goff wrote a book called Love Does. A man shows the love of Christ by doing. I love that expression of doing everything to bring out the best in her. Loving your wife makes sense. It's like loving your own body. It is the love of Christ and using that standard to care for one another. And it drives selfishness away. It's a high calling to do well. So I want to just commend the husbands in the room, who take this role seriously. You are world changers. You are world changers if you can truly and deeply love the mate God has given you. We're going to move on to Ephesians 5, 31 through 33 in the message. This is a huge mystery, and I don't pretend to understand it all. What is the clearest to me is the way Christ treats the church. And God provides a good picture of how each husband is to treat his wife, loving himself and loving her, and how each wife is to honor her husband. As we know, Christ gave everything for his bride. If you can sacrifice for one, you can conquer the world because you've conquered yourself. Let me say that again. If you can sacrifice for one, You can conquer the world because you have conquered yourself. So marriage is a container. It's by design. It's meant to be a safe place. It allows good influences in, keeps bad influences out. It's a place of growth, security, and strength. And all sorts of good things are to flow out of this throughout the world. And the gospel makes sense because an onlooker can see your marriage. And know that God is good. You and your marriage are the biggest billboards for Christianity that God could ever have. So make the most of your marriage. It's not for your sake alone, it's for the kingdom. So I don't know where you are today. The Lord is first of all inviting all of us into relationship with Him. Are you lonely? You can be married. You can be single and experience loneliness. But with the Lord in your life, you never have to experience loneliness again because he completely loves us. He completely accepts and understands us. And he honors who you are. You need never be lonely again. So I'm going to ask the worship team to come forward and the prayer team to go to the back um, as I pray here. So let's pray together. Lord, first of all, I pray for anyone listening who doesn't know you. Thank you for drawing them to you and help them to bow their knees and hearts to you today. Help them to call upon you as Lord and Savior for a lifetime and seal them with your spirit. Lord, I ask you to restore that the believers been disillusioned and distant. Help them to be restored to your family again. Lord, I pray for all marriages represented here. May they be full of love and respect and honor that reflects you. May they grow and prosper and be strong and fulfilling. May each one know the blessing of your love and the love of their spouse. May they be shining lights to those around them. Lord, I pray for all the young people and the singles. Bless them with purpose and hope in all of their assignments. In the right time, in the right season, if it's your will, bless them with the right spouse who also honors you with their lives. Heal the brokenhearted and touch those with physical healing who need it. Fill our hearts and help us to love you with every fiber of our being. You are good, Lord. May our lives speak of your goodness. We thank you that goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our lives. We invite you in. We love you and declare a need for you.